Hello and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. Well, this past week, Jason had uh, the honor of preaching Sunday morning, and he delivered a lesson from Philippians chapter 1 and chapter 2, and we are really building upon our theme this year, and that's finishing what was started. And in Philippians 2, verse 13, the passage says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And really what you built upon, Jason, was this idea that God is in us. God has a, something he's working on our will, and he has a work to do with us. And that's very similar to what we read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, where there it says in verse 21 about the Lord's going to equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. You know, I think a lot of times today we have the idea that God does it all and we sit back and just kind of go along for the ride or else we do it all and God's just watching. But what these verses are bringing out to us is this kind of a divine partnership with us, God working in us, God working to make us what he wants us to be. And so let's go back to the sermon a little bit, revisit it, then let's kind of stretch this just a little bit. Sure. No, I appreciate the opportunity to revisit it. I uh, this concept, Philippians 2, the passage you read in Hebrews, I think is really important for us to, to grasp. I talk with a lot of people, it sounds like very similarly to you, that, okay, we on January 1st introduced this grand theme, finish what was started, and it sounds good, but when people start thinking about what it's going to take or how they have failed in the future or the the sense of unworthiness or inadequacy that they feel in the present and about the future, this dynamic of the Lord at work in me, even as I work out my own salvation with fear and trembling, it's something that I think can help us if we can wrap our minds around it. And so there are lots of practical directions. I know you and I hope to go this first quarter of the year. We're already doing that in some of our our Bible classes. My aim this past Sunday morning was just to introduce a, a kind of context. I started in Philippians 1, 6. Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. From there, we went to Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, like you've drawn out, if we stop right there and our goal is to finish what was started, well, I've got to run really hard, really fast. I've got to cross the finish line. It all depends on me. And I know what a mess I've made of things in the past or how many batons I've let drop, how many people I've let down. But that's not where Paul stops. He continues into what we have as verse 13, for it is God who works in you 
both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so to hopefully give us a little bit of context for the rest of this quarter and the rest of this year, I really just broke it then down into two columns. How is God working on our wills? How is God working on our work or our our activity, our lives of discipleship? We just stayed right there in Philippians and noticed how Paul describes both of those things. God's not just telling me what to do, but he's working on my heart, sometimes through difficult circumstances and difficult people. Sometimes when we we really think about God working on our will, it it, it almost gets people a little scary. That thought it, it makes them think like God is is forcing me, or God is overpowering me, or he's make he's pushing me to do something I don't want to do. Almost like into the area of the miraculous. Yeah. You know, here I am, and I'm just stubborn and selfish, but God's going to miraculously change me to be what he wants me to be. And and uh, I know you don't believe that. I don't believe that. So so let's just kind of talk. How, does it, how is it that God works on our will? Yeah, well, I, I mean, just to emphasize that neither one of us believe that and nobody else should either. If we stay right there in Philippians as an example, you know, there are always things that get put on the sermon cutting room floor. And I had to cut it for this past Sunday morning, but we will use examples like this, Lord willing, throughout the quarter to just build on this idea. In Philippians 4, verse 2, for instance, Paul says, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So, okay, what's going on there? There, There's a lot about the circumstances we don't know, but here are two women in the church in Philippi who are at a disagreement of some sort, and it certainly is not the, well, where do you want to go to lunch sort of disagreement. It is a a disagreement that the Lord needs now to be a part of it, or their, their relationship with the Lord needs to define their coming back together. I, I'm entreating them to agree in the Lord. I'm I'm strongly encouraging them. Now, if this were miraculous, God is just going to make me do what he wants me to do. We would never read that sort of language in Paul's letter to the Philippians. It is a choice that these two women need to come together in making that they might model the sort of unity and single-mindedness that Paul talks about earlier in the letter. And so that that's one example just to emphasize the truth that you've brought up. How does God work on my will? Where we, we kind of highlighted that throughout the sermon, just using this letter. He he introduces grace and peace, this news in chapter 1, verse 2. He 
calls us into participation and partnership in the gospel. How does he work on my will? Well, even in chapter 1, verse 1, he mentions overseers. And in the larger context of the New Testament, these are men charged with watching out for the souls of people. He teaches me in knowledge and discernment and abounding love. He he calls me and leads me to think less and less about myself, more and more about him and others, even as you highlighted, Roger, a little on Sunday evening. And finally, where we landed that sermon was in chapter 2, verses 5 down through about verse 11, he points me over and over again to the mindset of Christ. Have this mind among yourselves. And so he uses other people to work on my will. He uses the example of Jesus. He uses these encouragements and warnings and commandments. He uses my brothers and sisters in Christ to transform me from the inside out. I think he also uses our memory and yeah. and in that way works on our heart. You know, one of the examples of Jesus that comes to my mind is the prodigal son uh, out there alone by himself with the pigs. He came to his senses. His will was worked upon. But what what made him come to his senses? Well, he didn't talk to a pig. A pig doesn't talk back. What he was doing was remembering. He remembered his father. He remembered how well his father treated the servants. And so sometimes uh, life goes on and we walk away from the Lord. We're out there in the wilderness for a period of time. But we remember. We remember some verses we've read in our past. We remember a parent or grandparent teaching us things. We remember the power of worship. We remember uh, these other things. And I think God puts intersections in our lives. And, and what happens is we, we cross these people. Things see. We're on Facebook, and here's a little passage somebody put, posts on Facebook, and I see that. And that jogs my heart. That jogs my memory. That helps me to get my thinking right with the Lord. And so God is at work to do these things. And, and so what's interesting about that, what that shows us behind there, is that God is not neutral. Right. God is not just on the sidelines saying, you know, with his fingers crossed, I sure hope that they do what's right. God is active, and God is doing things. And, and again, that Luke 15 section where we read about the lost coin, the lost boys, and the lost sheep brings that out. Because God is the active agent in all those. The shepherd who went looking for that one lost sheep. The woman who swept the house and looked for that coin. That father who's always looking on the horizon for that boy to come back. That's God. And so God is active in your life. Miraculously, absolutely not. But he's putting people in your life and reminders in your lives and scriptures in your lives to work on your will. And those things do that. And so you're at work. And you have a meeting that doesn't go well, and you're frustrated, and you say something that you probably shouldn't have said, and before it ends, your memory, your guilt comes upon you. God's working on you. God's working on you. And maybe before you leave that room, you, you feel like you got to take one person aside and apologize to them. I shouldn't have said what I said. I misspoke. Or maybe you're with some people and you know you start going down the road of gossip and you start saying some things about other people and you know it's not necessarily true and you know it's not nice. And before long, it bothers you. 
God is working on your will. Now, where does all those feelings come from? They come from our memories. They come from scriptures. They come from people in our lives. All of that is trying to shape us to make the right choices. Well, and I would even add to that from the standpoint of a parent or a spouse or a grandparent, a brother or sister in Christ. I love how the Apostle Paul in chapter 1, he he begins by highlighting he is praying for them. And so maybe God is at work on me even in and through the prayers of other people. I mean, we we highlighted Philippians 1 verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. But in the very sentence right before this, he says, I'm praying for you, right? And so... If we really believe in the power of prayer to transform our own thinking, to to renew our own hearts and our own minds, if we really believe in the power of prayer, my, how we ought to be praying for our spouses, our marriages, our children as they grow up, our grandchildren, the, the people who serve in, in the, the life and health of the local church. Pray for preachers. Pray for Bible class teachers. Pray for shepherds and deacons. Pray for those difficult Co-workers, you know, that, that you mentioned earlier that you know you're going to see tomorrow morning. If we really believe God is at work and we really believe that prayer is powerful, this is a, a powerful tool to bring to light what the Apostle Paul is describing in Philippians. And, and not just from our standpoint, but from the standpoint of others, how many people are saying our names to heaven? And, yeah. and we may not even know it. Yeah. And and as they're asking God to protect us or to guide us or to get us back where we need to be, sometimes we're not where we should be, and they're thinking about us, how wonderful and powerful that is as we think about God working on us. It, I, I think when this life is over, we're going to be amazed at how active God was in our lives, all the things that maybe we just call coincidences. It's just, I just so happen to see this person I haven't seen in 20 years. And maybe God was there moving all that. Yeah. Doing that because that's the person I needed to remind me, to get me back where I should have been. And, you know, so, so there's a lot of things we don't see, we may not appreciate or understand, but God is active trying to get us to have the right will. Now, when we use the word will, you know, you know the the first definition we might think of is when someone dies, there's a will. <laughs> but it, no one died in this passage. So what's he talking about here, that God is working on our will? Yeah, I, I think a, a good complementary passage maybe would be that famous Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 parallel, where, again, we hear the language of an appeal. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. Well, what is Paul appealing to? He, he is certainly appealing to our intellect, right? But more than a, let's learn the, the basics of Bible trivia and be able to sit down and, you know, take a quiz sort of thing. What he's doing is appealing to our 
wills, right? The, the center of my decision making. And that is where he goes in Romans chapter 12, verse one. I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. My will is that part of my inner being where I make determinations and choices. It we we powerfully saying this past Sunday morning, just before the sermon, uh, all of self and none of God. And then we moved to less of self and more of God. And we, we eventually landed on none of self and all of God, right? But that lifestyle doesn't come from just singing that song or sitting in a church building. It is a decision of the will. I choose to take up my cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. If we were computers, the the word will would be our core processor. That's what it is. And so why is it some people think bad all the time? Why are some people so wicked? That's their will. They've chosen to do that. Back in Genesis, the thought of man was evil continually. Why was it that way? That was their will. That was their determination. That was their goal. That's what they wanted. So that's really what's driving at this concept with will. And so back here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, where we've talked about God who's at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure, the very next verse, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of things in this life to complain about. I mean, just just walk outside. Most people complain about the weather or the traffic or this or that. And you go to the restaurant, you complain about the prices, the food. I, you know, we are a complaining group of people. And he says, don't do that. Oh, how, how do you not do that when everyone around you is doing that? You do that because you've changed your will. Right. You start counting your blessings. You start realizing, I'm alive today. It doesn't matter what's raining or whether it's cold or hot. I've got a new day given to me by God. I'm thankful I could even go to a restaurant. A lot of people can't do that in this world. Thankful I have a job. Thankful I can have a choice of food. A lot of people don't get any choices. And so so when you start putting God into this and let God work on your will, you start realizing, okay, I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to change the way I behave. All of that kind of fits together with that. And I think it powerfully removes this stubborn excuse that a lot of times gets thrown out that, well, that's just the way I am, right? I can't help it. Uh, that's just what comes naturally to me. You and I both have heard plenty of people reason like that over the years I love that we don't have Philippians 2, 14 hanging in a vacuum. It's not that God just says without any context, don't grumble or complain. 
That comes, as you've highlighted, right after, listen, God is working on your will. So maybe that's how you were raised. Maybe that's how you've been for a very long time, but that's not who you have to be in 2023 if God really is working on you. You know, we we hear the expression, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, the problem is you're not a dog. (laughs) And that may be true in the animal world. But you're not a dog. You're made in the image of God. And God expects more. And God's willing to work on you. And so that's where you have to partner with God in these things. Now, when we move to this other word, the work, we've talked about the will and the work. What is the work we're talking about here? Yeah. Well, I would frame that from the standpoint of discipleship, following Jesus, right? Living for Jesus and Philippians is a powerful letter. If you want to know what it looks like to live for Jesus, you could go a lot of places uh, that, that you wouldn't get the encouragement and, and the perspective that you get here in Philippians. I'll just highlight one verse. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. What's our work? Well, it's our manner of life. And it's not, well, you know, these were the human examples that I had growing up, and so I'm just going to repeat those, or this is what comes most naturally to me. No, once again, he highlights the mind of Christ, the will of Christ, the manner of life that Jesus modeled for us. And then he says, you follow him. You go to work and work as if he were working through you. You go home after a long day of work and you be the light of Christ within your family. You come to an assembly of Christians and you be the hands and feet of Jesus in a sense within those interactions, even with people that are hard to get along with, people who maybe even would determine to be your enemies. You let your manner of life be worthy of the good news that first captivated your will. So whether I'm a painter, a plumber, a preacher, a housewife, a student, that work I'm to do is not my occupation, but it's who I am. Right. And it's who God wants me to be. And so I'm a student. I'm going to be the type of student God wants me to be. And if I don't know the answer, a lot of times we don't. We're not going to be cheating because that's not what God wants me to be. I'm not going to be a, a trouble at school because that's not what God wants me to be. When I'm working at my job, I'm going to do the best I can do because that's what God wants me to be. If I'm raising my kids, I'm going to be the best that I can because that's the work God wants me to be. And so whenever, whatever occupation you plug that into, the answer is always the same, and that is doing the will of God. And that's so much. I am excited for 2023. We've got, I, it really feels like by God's grace, a lot of good momentum. Two Sundays ago, you introduced to us our theme 
morning, finish what was started this past Sunday morning. We just tried to introduce the idea we're not running this race alone. It is God who is at work in us, and God will bring that work to completion in and through Jesus if we will follow him. Roger, it's Wednesday. We've got the opportunity even tonight for God to work on our wills and fuel our work for him. You're going to be teaching in the auditorium. Yeah, we're doing a, a, a class we call What Was Started. Again, that's this quarter's sub-theme to our major theme, finish what was started. Well, you have to know what was started. Yeah. So last week we began with creation. In the beginning, the Bible says, from that, this tonight we're going to be talking about God started a relationship with us, and we're going to kind of look at that and what all was involved with a relationship with God. In our Building Blocks track of studies, we have only begun a study of Genesis as the book of beginnings. We're not looking at every single verse, but very similarly, we're just noticing what had its beginning in Genesis. If you missed lesson one, you can get the basics of of that on our website at charlestownroad.org. Lord willing, this evening we'll look at the beginning of sin and what a difference that has made in our lives, but also how God, even right there on page three of our Bibles, begins to provide the answer for us. Roger, what about this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? We're going to go to the book of First Thessalonians chapter 4, and it deals with the, the powerful subject of the death of the Christian. And we're going to look at the little phrase that's used there, these words. And again, this will fit in with our theme. We talk about finishing what was started. We're going to talk about what that looks like as we consider that very important topic. We've got a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be excited about. Roger, I appreciate you joining me today. We appreciate all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. We would love to see you at 7 o'clock p.m. this evening. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week, and we would love to have you come and grow with us. 